Well, you know, oral surgery being painful is just one of the pitfalls of socialism. (laughs) (laughs) Precisely. Socialists believe in socialism, yet they also get oral surgery. Interesting that you're a socialist and yet you experience pain from your oral surgery. (laughs) Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that understands that different words mean different things because, you know, that's what makes them useful. Today we have Laura, Hope, Cullen, and Ambria. Yes. So first and foremost, before we delve into this, A, I'm super excited that the four of us are all on this podcast right now. It Yahoo! makes me so happy. <laughs> and also, I just wanted, we all wanted to give a big thanks to everyone who has applied to be a co-host. We received around 40 applications, so... <laughs> We had like a pretty quick turnaround situation that we hoped were going was going to happen, but it may be slightly delayed just because so many wonderful and incredible people um, submitted really thoughtful and lovely applications. So just be patient with us. We're going to be sorting through it in the next two weeks or so and then moving forward from there. But all of you are amazing. We wish that we could work with all of you. And the good news is, is now we have all of your emails. So if we find out you like have a specific skill, now we know who to have on as guests if you don't become a host. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So this week's episode is all about the way, the like bullshit ways socialism and leftism are por- portrayed in the mainstream. And also how to take that shit down and drop some truth bombs on people. So, like, if you ever read something that someone writes about leftism or socialism and just think to yourself, what the actual fuck is happening here? Yeah, that happens to us, too. So, fair warning, most people don't actually listen to reason, but sometimes it's nice to know how to respond to these things anyhow. Like, I know if I bring up anything with, like, my extended family, it's like, that's not gonna, that's the conversation that's not gonna go anywhere, but sometimes it's fun to try. <laughs> uh, I wanted to start with an article that was really the full inspiration for this episode. Shout out to Vox for consistently having the most shit takes I've ever seen. Hello, all. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> this article, ooh, yes, is titled. Quote, socialism versus capitalism is a false dichotomy. We need go-go capitalism to afford a generous welfare state, and people won't support go-go capitalism without a safety net. Socialists, socialists and Republicans forget different parts of that, this lesson. That's the full title. You know, I'd be very curious to hear this author explain. Is it a guy? I didn't check. I didn't check. Uh, Okay, I'd like to hear this person explain what a true dichotomy is. Right. Maybe they just don't believe in dichotomies. Right. (laughs) So, first of all, fucking kill me. And second of all, socialist is written in quotations. So, like, oh, yeah. You know it's bad. Yeah, no, it's bad. I'm just going to jump in here. Um, The Vox article in question was written by someone named Will Wilkinson, which... (laughs) Personal sounds like a dumbass made up name, uh, but draw your own conclusions as to whether this sounds like something a man would write. Uh, I, I in my head, I was like, "This is definitely a dude who wrote this," and then I was like, "Ooh, shouldn't fully say that." But now I feel comfortable being like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> I have decided right now that I firmly believe that Will is short for Willard, and that his full name is Willard Wilkinson. Yeah. I, I think Will is short for Wilkinson. I think his full name is Wilkinson Wilkinson. Oh, <laughs> yes. Well, Wilkinson wow. Wilkinson, thank you for your service for us being able to tear this shit apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, this isn't that fucking surprising, right? Like, 
Let's bring ourselves back and remember that during the Obama administration, conservatives consistently called him a socialist. Yeah, conservatives have been using this term as a threat forever against anyone in politics who seems to actually care even a small amount about non-rich people. And it seemed, I guess, like a kind of effective political strategy for a while. But, you know, we know that things are changing now. And then also recently I've seen this used by more centrist media to explain away the rising popularity of democratic socialism. Mm. So I've heard things like they called Obama a socialist for so long that now the youth think that all Democrats are socialists, which is just awful. (laughs) It's so precious how dumb everyone is. Like, but it's not dumb. It's like purposefully brainwashed to not understand how bad capitalism actually is. Not trying to actually call everyone dumb. Sorry, everyone. But yeah, Obama, obviously not a socialist. That's ridiculous. But for Vox, a.k.a. the media that libs are just so fucking pleased with, even my normal shit-talking about their terrible takes was taken to a whole new level with this article. In some ways, I don't even know where to start because this article rests wholly on the idea that socialism and capitalism aren't dialectically opposed, which is just already false. So I don't even know how to approach the rest fully. <laughs> I, I feel like when your founding assumption is just just wrong, you know, it's like it's hard. It's hard to even address the rest of the argument. Um, but but I do think it would be good to like talk about why at like a fundamental level, the idea that capitalism and socialism aren't opposed is wrong. Yeah, for sure. So one of the main assumptions that conservatives and libs and whoever the fuck considers themselves to be a quote unquote moderate is that socialism is actually Keynesian capitalism, which is why they don't think the two ideologies are actually oppositional. John Maynard Keynes, founder of Keynesian Economics, uh, developed a theory of capitalism that involves a lot of state regulation of capital. Much of the New Deal policies came out of Keynesian economic thought, and the World Bank and other international institutions were built on the ideologies that the inherent inequalities that exist and present themselves within a capitalist system can be quelled by state intervention. This is definitely different than socialism, and it's really important to know that and remember that. Socialists believe that capitalism, as a system, cannot continue to exist, and that capitalism is the crux of the world's evils, inequalities, climate change, imperialism, slavery, etc., Socialists believe that the market needs to be completely taken out of the equation and that the profit motive needs to be abandoned. The article conflates socialists and socialism to Keynesians. While there are people who consider themselves democratic socialists that are in reality social democrats or Keynesians, true socialists and Marxists are in direct opposition to capitalism. Yeah, and something that I'm thinking about a lot with this is just um, how neoliberalism does this, right, in order to keep capitalism going. It absorbs resistance into its structures and it nullifies them. I see, I think we see this as well with like the Democratic Party like glomming on to identity politics in this really empty way. Like, if the kids are getting into socialism, what they're going to try to do is be like, hey, well, you know what? Like, sure, we can have socialism. It's just going to be exactly the same as everything that we've been doing. And that's what socialism is. And it's so absurd. But like, the only reason we're not only talking about this because it's like silly and funny, like this is something really nefarious that this system does. Yeah. And I think um, building off of what both of y'all have said and um, full disclosure, I just came from an awesome Sochfem meeting where we did a deep dive into Rosa Luxemburg and her stuff on reform or or revolution. And um, I think that feeds really well into all of this. And the example that I'm thinking of, which Laura sort of alluded to is like the, the new deal era where you have all of these really great things that happened, you know, like 
you know, objectively, it's good that we have Social Security. But like, that's not that's a reform that doesn't bring you necessarily closer to revolution. It's a reform that isn't it isn't socialism. In fact, it like maintained capitalism, it kept the United States from entering into like, you know, a revolutionary period, um, sort of ser- served as welfare for capitalism because it maintained the system. And then what you also see is that like the economy sort of rebuilds itself and those gains that were made um, are easily or relatively easily in just a matter of decades, like pushed back, if not demolished completely. So we still are like hanging on to the strands of like the welfare society that was begun to, you know, began to be built um, during that time period, but it's not socialism. And like, that's the reason that it can be pulled apart so easily it's it's the capitalist state that's doing it exactly. so i think all of this kind of like it really it, it takes us back to stuff that we've talked about before in previous episodes like dialectal materialism or um our socialist semantics episode and from a marxist perspective we are thinking about socialism as a world in which the workers themselves own the means of production. Like right now in our capitalist world, Jeff Bezos owns the means of production. As long as Jeff Bezos owns the means of production, no matter how much we tax him. And like, obviously right now we're taxing him virtually zero. uh, But no matter how much we tax him, we're still not going to be living in a socialist society. Like it doesn't matter Capitalism is a system in which one class, the capitalists or the bourgeoisie, own the mean of pro- own the means of production, and the proletariat class, like the workers, like everybody on the planet almost, works for a wage. While the capitalists reap the surplus, which is profit, which is actually, you know, again, the product of labor, regardless of how much you tax it. So in, in, until workers own the means of production, you know, like the, the good people of Wisconsin own the Green Bay Packers, this is half a joke. The mass ownership of the team is great, but it's actually not the workers who own it. Um, we're still not talking about socialism. So no, like socialism and capitalism within the same system are not compatible. It, it does not compute. Exactly. And particularly as we continue to move forward with more and more self-proclaimed socialists getting elected into office, which is generally amazing, but number one, we need to hold those politicians to exactly what it means to be a socialist. And number two, we need to make sure that they aren't Keynesian opportunists just running as a socialist to get DSA support or other support from leftists. Right. Like, one thing that sort of rubs me the wrong way about the Cynthia Nixon thing, which like, again, she's great. Like it would have been great if she had become the nominee for her governor in New York. But like one of the things that she said is like, you know, I believe in healthcare. I believe in education. Therefore I'm a democratic socialist. Mm. It's like, no, like, I'm glad you believe all of those things. And those things are great. And like, you know, eliminating student debt is like something that would free up the working class to like come closer to a a moment of like actual, like, you know, socialist reckoning. Uh, it's, it's not, that's, that's not what that means. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we hear about socialism and like what it, what it is, what it does, like the military socialism, the roads are socialism. Um, you know, to like draw on a meme that I feel like has just been floating around the internet for the last 10 years. Like, the more things the government does, the more socialist it is. And like, obviously this is false. And, you know, a lot of us as socialists would like the government to do more things as a general rule. That doesn't mean it's socialism. And um, also, obviously we would not like it to do more military things, just to really clarify that. Yeah. Like the military as a public good is really absurdist, you know, in the United States context in particular. But So for a number of reasons, this is the case, right? So first and foremost, Western capitalist hegemony is literally built on U.S. imperialism in the world. The world's ails, you know, not like the least of which, which is climate change, because the U.S. military is the number one contributor of greenhouse gases in the world. All of this can be traced back to U.S. interventions, right? Like the way our globalized capitalist system works is 100% related to our military presence and massive occupations. One example that we've talked about on this show before is that the Israeli occupation of Palestine literally 
creates U.S. jobs and gives more money to the 1% in the U.S. So we, people within the United States are profiting off of the, the mass occupation of Palestine and the hindrance to Palestinian liberation. So if anyone ever tries to suggest that our military is a type of socialism, just walk out of the room because those people cannot be trusted. <laughs> Advice. You heard it here on Season of the Bitch. <laughs> Just walk away. Just walk away. Because, like, I feel like sometimes it's, like, worthwhile to debate people. But if someone's trying to pull that shit, I'm just like, oh, man, just get out of there. It's too much emotional labor. Like, save yourself from that situation. <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, Chank from the Young Turks wrote a satirical article, but an article either way, suggesting that, in fact, the U.S. military is the most socialist institution we have in the U.S., and his government was based on government funding. He was kind of like, he's, okay, if you don't know Chank from the Young Turks, if you don't know the Young Turks, they're like peak lib. Um, they did support Bernie Sanders' campaign, but they have like some pretty problematic takes sometimes. Sometimes they have pretty good takes. It's so, it's a mix. Definitely better than Vox, but, you know, so <laughs> it doesn't take much. Uh, they... He, like, there is its own issue about having a satirical article like that that isn't very obviously satirical either, um, because joking about the military being the most socialist institution is, like, its own fucked up shit. Like, let's be real. If we're gonna, if we're gonna make that joke, like, let's be like, the library is the most socialist institution we have. The library serves no one's capitalist agenda. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it, the thing that, like, just annoyed me about this article is that, like, it, it just felt like the worst kind of, like, John Stewart, like, liberal, gotcha, like, I, I don't want to call it journalism. So, like, the, the article in question is, he's basically like, hey, Republicans, like, you like the military? Well, guess what? <laughs> the military socialism. So, joke's on you. You like socialism. Ah. Uh, yes. Dang it. Like, it's me. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, well, first of all, that's not, that it, it isn't. So, where are you going with this? And secondly, like, when has that ever worked? Like, yeah. What? One of my, like, big things right now, and I, I, it's something that I feel like, you know, it's part of the reason that I feel like, like, The Daily Show has really floundered, not just because it lost Jon Stewart, but, like, uh, and, and a lot of the other the other sort of similar shows as well, is it's, like, hypocrisy, like, the age of Trump has really, like, laid bare, made very clear that, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the Republican Party is sort of baldly a party of the 1% with, like, white nationalism mixed in. And, like it's going to do things that are contradictory to the idea of small government. Like it's not small government when we're talking about like a massive police force and like being like, Oh, I thought that you guys wanted to not spend money, but suddenly there's a deficit. Like that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, darn it. You got me. Like, guess, right. guess we're going to roll back ice now. Um, and, and it's it like all that it does is like make, like liberals feel smug and like good about themselves for like pointing something out but like it 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 doesn't it doesn't matter you know so mm. like what you actually should be doing is focusing on like okay it doesn't we're going to disregard what they say that they care about and if you think about things from a materialist perspective and you understand that this is a form of class warfare and you start to think about whose interests are represented then a lot of their choices make a lot more sense because we're protecting not, you know, the 1%, but we're also protecting, like, the white supremacist heteropatriarchy that is complementary to our modern, like, capitalist system. <sighs> so, it's like... basically the political equivalent of being that old guy that goes up to people and is like, there's something on your shirt, and then when you look uh, down, they, like, flick your nose. Yeah. It just, like... <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's the political, it's the um, news pundit version of that old man. Yeah. And he loves it every time, even though everybody's like, great. Yeah. 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 And like the other side of this coin um, is the like idea that anything that we, we have 
today we owe to capitalism so like you know like on the one hand it's like okay um everything the government does is socialism on the other hand it's everything that we have is capitalism and so to, to reference meme culture again because i like clearly don't spend enough time in front of a screen there's like that like interesting you hate capitalism yet you participated it angle <laughs> <laughs> and I I found this this piece as we were thinking about this week and its episode. I found this piece on USA Today's like tech site. Mm. Um, the title is Democrats Fascinated with Quote Democratic Socialism Despite Enjoying Capitalism's Perks. So you know it's gonna be good. Um, like there, there's I, just so many pieces of that just in and of itself, because first of all, Democrats aren't really fascinated with democratic <laughs> socialism. Okay, sorry. It's yeah, just... it, it literally just reads like the title of a paper from like a self-satisfied high school debate senior. Yes. Um, and that is actually exactly what the article sounds like too. So I just wanted to like read you guys the last paragraph because it is truly something to behold. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> this is also written by a man in case you uh, couldn't <laughs> figure it out. For the record, please for note record. that. For the Not record. Not that women can't say stupid shit because they absolutely do. But... Anyway, here it goes. <clears throat> I will end with a list of innovations and inventions from the simplest to the sublime, all of which have improved people's lives and all of which were brought to the world via the free market. Airplanes, laptops, pharmaceuticals, electric lights, Sirius radio. <laughs> Just, I want to note that it's a brand. It's not satellite. It's Sirius. Air conditioning, exercise equipment, books, books. Books. I'm sorry. Just the timing, the, the Gutenberg press. I'm not going to get into it. DVDs, Budweiser, bottled water, clothing, ice cream, pencils, toilet paper, shampoo, makeup, carpets, x-ray machines, MRI machines, slow, snow blowers, concrete, steel, glass, also mind-blowing, cable television, restaurants, the NFL. Uh, we already talked about the past. So that's false. Broadway shows, rock and roll, and just about rock everything. Rock and roll? Just about rock everything. Rock and roll? That's crazy. Sorry. I'll calm down. <laughs> just about everything else you see, use, and enjoy. Think about it. Because Ocasio-Cortez and more than 50% of Democrats apparently haven't. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> well, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about glass, so he's right. <laughs> I just want to throw out there that glass <laughs> existed before capitalism. Yeah. It was extremely labor intensive, but it existed. Oh my God. Imagine what we could do if the workers who were in charge of making all of those things had the possibility of owning the means of production. Like how innovative would they really be if they had full ownership of the labor that they were doing? What? Yeah. So like, this is just LOL on a lot of levels. So like to, to state the obvious and uh, not to get into the, the more the government does the socialist or it is, but like so, so many of these things did not come out of the free market. Like the ones that came out in the last century, we're just talking about, because some of the stuff he's talking about, like glass, uh, it's just, it's so ahistorical. It's like not even worth talking about makeup. People have been putting shit on their face since literally like the ancient Egyptians. Again, I'm, I'm going to go off. So like yes, I got to focus go on like, off. stuff from the <laughs> So much of what he's talking about has been the product of massively subsidized government projects. So like, yeah, that's not socialism, but it's not like free range unbridled entrepreneurship because like the idea that this guy and other people are pushing is that people are motivated exclusively by greed and like that's where all human innovation comes from and there's like there's a whole host of ways we could prove that that is not the case um but the the fact that we're just sitting here listing like oh huh, you hate capitalism guess you hate mri machines like bitch where do you think mri machines were developed mm. you don't think that like the government was funding that? Like, do you, do you think the internet just popped up out of nowhere? Or was that like the Pentagon that was doing that shit? Which is like a whole different conversation, but it's not like, oh, like it's thank you, Mark Zuckerberg and all of you free market innovators for giving us all the good things that we have in this world. Something just, else hilarious about this viewpoint is the assertion that socialists would ever deny enjoying like ice cream and pencils. <laughs> 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 because... I mean, that's the thing is that socialism 
is all like based on the celebration of labor. It's about fully appreciating the awesomeness of what labor creates and making sure that workers get to enjoy the stuff they produce and get to have a secure life to boot. Mm. So what the fuck is socialism without the production of goods? Like, do they think that we want to stop making stuff? I mean, I guess that's, they think that we're being hypocritical, but we're not. Like, it just makes no sense to suggest that, like, we don't want stuff or that we shouldn't want stuff. Of course, socialists buy clothes and play games on our smartphones. Uh, you know, we just don't want, like, the people who lose a hand making our stuff to get fired for being injured and then not have any health care. Uh. And we know and we have seen that capitalism just isn't going to give any, it's just not going to give us those kinds of guarantees because they would destroy the system. That's why we don't have those kinds of guarantees right now and why capitalists are fighting us so hard um, on the point of giving those things to us. That's why they say we can't afford it because if it messes with profit, which providing for workers, everything which they are owed certainly would. It threatens capitalism itself. So yes. that's all to say that I guess it just boils on down to yet another way that capitalism and socialism are incompatible and why capitalism standing can't or won't understand what the fuck we're actually asking for. Yes. Yeah. Well, just to jump in here real quick, while Ambria, while you were talking, I was thinking about um, this quote that I really like from um, a guy named Stephen Jay Gould, who, uh, was, he's like a biologist and also does like, or did, I think, I think he's passed away at this point, but did history of science stuff. And, um, one thing that he's, he's written that really like has stuck with me is this. Um, he says, I am somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops, which mm. I think, goes back to the idea of, you know, the way that our societies like lift up these examples of genius and, uh, you know, the idea that like meritocracy lets all of that rise to the top. Um, but as Laura and Ambria were sort of suggesting, there's so much, um, human potential that goes completely, um, not just like unused because that's so utilitarian, but like un like appreciated, unhonored, um, in a system that grinds people up and, you know, uses them as fuel for, uh, just a, a massive profit generation scheme. And the idea that like, we can't have nice things without capitalism, um, is a historical. And, um, I think also like really, um, self-congratulatory and like headstrong and, and it, it's silly to think that we are the best that we can be because that's just never going to be true totally this whole thing also reminds me of this one time where a dude was trolling me for saying capitalism has killed more lives than socialism on twitter <laughs> it has um, but anyhow he was trolling me really hard and he found our podcast and found we had a patreon and was like uh, you participate in capitalism as you spread socialism. And thanks, random listener. Shout out to you. This person responded before I could being like, dude, first of all, terrible take. Second of all, <laughs> they don't withhold any of their content. They just release it a day early for Patreon folks. Anyhow, the takes are bad. And thanks to listeners for having our back. <laughs> Um, this is a good moment to have a music break and we'll be right back.
Welcome back. We're going to continue our review of terrible takes here. Um, so Hashtag I've terrible been... takes. <laughs> so I've been thinking about how often we hear the talking point that anyone who supports socialism wants the U.S. to be just like Venezuela. And it struck me that capitalism gets treated as a default a lot of the time, the same way like whiteness or maleness get treated as defaults. So what ends up happening is that socialism by the media can be defined with just one example, like Venezuela, but capitalism by default encompasses everything else, which would, of course, Mm. include things that have historically been violent, unjust, etc. But those examples don't get spelled out. So that's just something that, like, irritates the hell out of me. And that's 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 a really good point. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's super ridiculous. And you're totally right. And also, any time that a take about a country in the global south is being somehow attacked and it's not at all being talked about how u.s imperialism has fucked over that country particularly when we're discussing latin america it's Mm -hmm. like i'm done listening to you because you obviously have no interest in reality (laughs) another thing um chicago comrades shout out to uh ramzan and laura uh, who I think listen to this podcast on occasion. Um, I saw this really interesting discussion on Twitter that, that these two folks were having um, about, and Laura, I should mention, studies Latin America, um, like thinks about these things all the time. And she was like, "It's we, we talk a lot about U.S. intervention and how important it is, um, and that's absolutely true, but it, um, it's also important for people on the left to like not trace everything that has ever happened back to the United States mm. and like mm-hmm. to remember that there are local political conditions that are going on as well. And so like something, another thing in the case of Venezuela that like this discussion that Laura and Ramson were having um, made me think of is, you know, like the situation in which um, Venezuela was not like a completely socialized, it wasn't completely socialized. There were a lot of, you know, um, uh, reforms that the government put into place that were, you know, good and important, but there was also a lot of private business that remained, um, you know, functional. And some of that was international um, and some of it was local. And so one of the major precipitators of the current crisis in Venezuela that gets mentioned virtually not at all in like American media is the fact that um, the sort of uh, major chunks of the capitalist class in Venezuela have been um, participating in essentially like an embargo on their own people. So um, the shortages of food, uh, especially, and I think to a degree as well, medication that you're seeing is because there's a capitalist class, a a local capitalist class that is so invested in seeing, um, you know, the, the, government fail, um, that it's willing mm-hmm. to essentially engage in a kind of warfare against its own people. But this is viewed as a, as a, um, a flaw of socialism rather than, you know, the power that the capitalist class has maintained despite the reforms that were put in place. And, you know, uh, an example of the way that a small number of people in a capitalist class can completely destroy 
the economy and, you know, the lives of mm -hmm. uh, an entire, you know, the, many of the lives of people in an entire nation. Yeah, I think those are really good points. Um, you know, what's happening in Venezuela is complex and it's being leveraged by, you know, different groups and different people for their own benefit. And mm. rarely does any meaningful analysis get put out there. So it's really great to hear that people are having those conversations. And I think along those lines, so here's my contribution to like the, the bad take pile yes. that we're building here. I feel like it's like that Are You Afraid of the Dark show and we just throw them on the fire and tell stories about <laughs> bad takes. Yes. Uh, my contribution. <laughs> the Midnight Socialist Society yes. is that um, uh, Fox News reported that a Venezuelan journalist called out the actor Jim Carrey over some statements he made on Bill Maher's show. And I was just like, why in the actual fuck is anyone wasting time talking about this? <laughs> Like I, I get it. It's it was a good way for that journalist Laureano Marquez to get some quick publicity, um, because you know Fox News boosted this in a huge way, and it's also the only time in recent memory that Fox News has mentioned a journalist uh, with any kind of reverence. Mm. But I digress. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, where they're like, this journalist is giving us the facts, and so they're like, oh, okay, so now the journalists are giving you the facts. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, obviously the situation in Venezuela is terrible, as we've said. Um, but to have a journalist attacking an actor about their support of what's best described as a theory or a whole-ass economic system, like Jim Carrey wasn't on Bill Maher being like, oh, I think what's happening in Venezuela is a step in the right direction. He was specifically just talking about socialism in a really broad way yeah. on an entertainment program. Um, so like the, the counter-argument for that by a journalist is just total crap to me. Yeah. And also, like, let us remember that actors, famous people in general, they are not experts on these things. Sometimes they use their, their like, clout to get points across. And Jim Carrey is a Canadian who is essentially, like, he started out with his, and he got, like, the reason why this whole thing got traction is he, like, was, like, I just want to dispel the myth that, like, you have to wait in lines and shit like that in Canada. Like, I've never had to pay for medical things in my life. I have never waited in line at the doctor's office. That's not a fucking thing. Like, that's what I want to make clear. And, like, the reason why that happens is because of, like, and so then started talking about socialism. But it's just, like... Yeah, who's paying attention to this and who is also saying that is exactly like the takes that are like, oh, um, you're a socialist? That's offensive to me because um, my, my family survived the Holocaust. And I'm like, first of all, that I'm sorry that happened to you and your family, but second of all, that is not what's, what I'm talking about or what, what anyone is talking about here and i, I do, do want to say oh sorry go ahead no sorries but i was just gonna say um that there is a weird like corner of the internet that likes to to call socialist nazis and the, the the reasoning going back to the intro where we talked about words having meanings uh seems to be that form of gotcha where the nazis called themselves national socialists ergo socialists are nazis mm. um and that is dumb uh is really all that i wanted to say about that just bringing up like the sort of and it, it's also really gross obviously because the it's a completely like um bad faith way of bringing up like an absolutely horrific genocidal regime um to score like cheap political points and it also just has no basis in reality because like that was a a we're talking about something that's being translated from german but b also like a propaganda move on the part of the germans we're also looking back at a time where like in germany the you know in the interwar period social democrat meant like leninist so hmm. Anyway, the idea that you can translate those things one-to-one -one and, like, use that in an online argument is extremely silly. But, yeah, yeah. that's, uh, that's yeah. what I want to say about that. We have to be very wary about that, I think, in today's political climate also, that 
socialism and socialist ideas were kind of used as sort of a Trojan horse with some of the original Nazi platform where they initially supported like social welfare programs, land reform, guaranteed standard of living, things that sounded really good. But as soon as they were in power, they decided to actually like big business, dissolve trade unions and um, did things against what they ran on. Mm-hmm. But being able to take that term and, you know, the idea of national socialism has really stuck around for a long time. So I think there's kind of two lessons there. One is that that kind of branding um, and Nazi, just the way that they were able to call themselves that, we still feel the effects of that um, propaganda. And then also, too, I think we have to be very uh, vigilant about political people now not doing that as well. Exactly. Yeah, and I think think that another thing that sort of builds off what you were you were just saying hope is like that one of the reasons that the the nazis ran on some of these social programs is because they did find value in social programs in the same way that i know um what's his face richard spencer is like the guy that got punched richard spencer is like said a lot of really positive stuff about universal health care but the idea is that like it's universal health care in what they envisioned to be eventually an ethno state So, like, in Mm. a lot of these sort of white supremacist circles, you do have some actual support for, like, social programs, but there's, you know, social, the idea is that you extend those social programs for the uh, benefit of, you know, the white race, and that that will allow white people specifically to flourish um, as, like, a a sort of neo-eugenicist type movement. So... There are, I have seen online, and I don't think this is super common, but like people saying like, hey, you know, if there are groups on the right that are willing to push for like universal health care, then like we can make alliances with them. And it's like, well, no, no, that's a really fucking terrible idea um, unless you're willing to like sell out, you know, the actual working class, which is a majority of people of color, you know, that kind of thing, like that's not that's not socialism um that's like white supremacy uh wearing a you know a a, a smiling mask yeah you gotta be careful about the smiling masks (laughs) gotta gotta (laughs) mask for no smiling mask any kind of mask really gay gay jokes taught us anything it's that you really need to be careful about the mask yes yes bringing (laughs) listen i'm not gonna lie most of my childhood shout out to my siblings if any of you are listening to this was spent quoting jim carrey to the point that i still know like several monologues from (laughs) from movies he starred in Oh, my God. Uh, particularly Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Liar Liar. <laughs> yes. I had no idea we had such a big Jim Carrey fan on the podcast. Yeah, it was to the point that, you know, how, like, AIM was a thing, obviously. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And there were, like, signs when, or there were sounds when people would sign in and log off and sounds when someone would message you and sounds when you would message them. Uh, we and my house had my sister rigged it up so that they would all be Jim Carrey quotes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Including like kind of hot in these rhinos. Like if anyone's ever seen when nature calls the second Ace Ventura pet detective, anyhow, he's in a rhino. It's like a mechanical rhino and he's just like sweating his face off because it's in like a very hot place. He's just like, kind of hot in these rhinos. And that was what would happen when anyone would log on to AIM. Little entry into my life. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I'm oh, super yeah. cool. Work that sound clip into this episode. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I have some ideas, but I'm not going to say right now. Okay. Um, It'll be in secret after where our nosy little listeners can't hear us. Season of the bitch. (laughs) After hours. Um, (laughs) So there's another article that I just think is delightfully ridiculous. Um, And it kind of goes back to that original article, at least like kind of what um, the original article was getting at. So this is from a website called The Conversation. And the... (laughs) 
The article is called, Today's Youth Reject Capitalism, But What Do They Want to Replace It With? So it's another article that's like, ooh, the boogeyman is coming. Watch out. Um, mm -hmm. So it was co-written by an economist and a sociologist. I wrote in my notes, a socialist, and I was like, that is not correct. <laughs> Um, it's an economist and a sociologist, and they start the article by saying, quote, We started by examining a troubling 2016 Harvard University survey that found that 51% of American youth aged 18 to 29 no longer support capitalism. Only 42% said that they back it, while just 19% were willing to call themselves capitalists. Dun, dun. Oh my god. First of I all, a that's like just a that it's disturbing and b that like they're so removed from what socialism actually means that they are using the term capitalist to just mean somebody who likes capitalism. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Like first of all, why is this survey troubling? It's truly delightful <laughs> news. Um <laughs> second of all, well this is also it reminds me of some conservative uh I don't remember exactly what conservative um, source put the put out, but they said Yale's incoming freshman class has more percent of or more percent of Yale's incoming freshman class identify as queer than conservative, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" <laughs> I love when conservative, like, outlets, like, have these amazing headlines that I'm just like, dude, this makes me stoked right now. I'm fucking <laughs> pumped about this. Um, but second of all, this article just goes on and on about how if we continue down the way we are, surprise, people aren't going to want capitalism anymore. Spoiler alert, we already don't want it. But this sleuthy little duo is pretty much arguing that capitalism needs to be more Keynesian. They didn't use that language. They used more government intervention um, so that people don't hate it anymore. And I think we're going to see more and more articles like this in the future. We're going to see more people grasping at straws to try to appease the socialists. We're going to see more and more New Deal type offerings. Remember, and Kellen had mentioned this earlier too, when the New Deal was rolled out, it was to stall an overthrow of capitalism. The government made concessions so there wouldn't be an outright revolution. And so we're going to start to see as people are like continuing to understand what income inequality means for us, what people are understanding about our labor and our value, we're going to see these sorts of things all the time. And so, you know, it really will start to distinguish as we already do feel like there is a like distinct difference between leftism and liberalism and we just need to like continue to understand why the uh, why owning the means of production ourselves is what we need to do <laughs> well said truly truly oh you guys I can't tell if I'm so hopeful or so like oh the world's just fucked <laughs> I mean, it's not fun to fight, but I mean, they feel the need to start creating these narratives because they feel threatened. Um, and I would say that part is good. Uh, the problem is that these narratives work pretty well on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I think we also have to remember that we're looking at pieces that have been in the media and that that also is totally a system around capitalism. Yeah. So particularly with social media, um, you know, it's, it's not the case that news is just trying to put out news. They're trying to get things to be shared more. They're trying to, we know that outrage is like the single best way to get something to trend on social media because outrage trends much faster than like awe or wonder at how great something is. Mm. Um, so there's like all these forces at play that are, you know, amplifying these shit takes basically. Um, cause when I was researching for this episode, I did find a really hardening amount of articles, even in like Washington post 
of people saying like, no, this, you guys are getting it wrong. This, let's redefine what socialism is. So there are other voices. It's just, you mm. know, in part, they're, they're not being amplified because our, our entire system is capitalism. Yeah. Um, so there's no, there isn't a lot of incentive to promote, you know, what are essentially like neutral, normal, reasonable takes on things. Absolutely. I also feel like I should make a confession here you know start a struggle sesh or something maybe um i she's a capitalist I... god damn it <laughs> yeah yeah I, both in the sense that i own the means of production and i love capitalism um <laughs> no i uh well like we've spent this whole episode you know we've been going on for for the hour about how all of these things are wrong and like just because the government does things doesn't mean it's socialism. I feel like there's, for me, like a way that I talk about this stuff that's sort of inward facing, like where I'm, you know, I'm part of the DSA and I'm like, drag you to the left, drag you to the left, or like, you know, people who are already listening to this podcast, it's like, I know that unless, you know, the, the guy that keeps tweeting at Laura is like doing himself a hate listen right now, like y'all are probably to some degree or another kind of like on you know, the same, you know, same sort of wavelength that we are. But like, when I'm talking to my family, and they're, you know, like, my family members who, uh, you know, are like, sort of old school, Southern liberals or whatever, are like, you know, I think Medicare for all is a great idea. I'm like, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, I think that I don't want to get that, like, anybody get it twisted. I do think it's a great idea. I'm like, yeah, it is. And that's socialism. Like, there's an outward facing version yes, of me too, yes. where I'm like, Hey everybody, like, this isn't scary. Like get on board, you know? And then once you're on board, I'm like, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. But like, you know, the, there's like the, the, the Marxist me that like comes out at, you know, branch meetings or on this podcast. And then there's the like friendly, non-threatening socialist that comes out when I'm like, you know, eating ice cream with my grandpa. Exactly. And I think that, like, it is important to remember that, like, our country will benefit from social democratic changes. (laughs) Like, the working class will benefit from Medicare for all. The working class will benefit from, um, like, a bigger minimum wage. Like, all those things. Those things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. The, the reality is like when they're, when you're dealing with non-socialists to begin with, making those sorts of concessions just so that they can start, start to think about the word socialism in a favorable way is totally understandable. I feel like a lot of people do that in a strategic way, like when they're yeah. not talking to other leftists. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like I'm... it's, it's, it's all in the service of like building basically, you know, like building working class consciousness and um and and like doing what needs to be done to like get to a point where socialism is possible and like I don't know that we're you know we're not at that point right now but like something like Medicare for all like on one hand it's something that like brings people in and like makes them interested in socialism but it also has you know to kind of go back to the Rosa Luxemburg thing like the very real effect of like getting people to a place materially where they're like more able to you know prepare for you know socialist revolution or whatever you know if you want to put it that way but like where they're more um they have the you know the time and the energy to be able to organize within their communities in a way that they don't if you know they can't miss a day of work or you know they have a chronic health condition that they can't afford to treat and so you know they they like you got to spend as much you know if you have time off you're going to be in your apartment like whatever it is um and I also think there's a difference between like what we do within our organizations and like, you know, what we hope for in terms of like how we'd like to see our individual lives changed. And like all of this is talk of of strategy and stuff that makes a lot more sense to focus on when we're talking amongst ourselves as opposed to like broadcasting these questions sort of out into the ether. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it while it doesn't help our case to have really dumb or about what socialism is it might help our case to be like hey guys like we're really friendly yeah. we're not scary and like for most people we're not you know like totally the the like literal 99 percent like this should be a welcome thing 
I'm really glad we're making this distinction. And just to reiterate something that Laura and Kellen were already saying, uh, but just to kind of like reinforce that there's a huge difference between um, meeting people where they're at um, mm -hmm. and talking about things in terms that they understand. And we were talking earlier about like, um, oh, you like, you know, you, you think everyone should have health care? Well, that's basically socialism. Um, in some ways, it can be useful to tell people like, hey, all of these things that would really benefit you, um, that's what socialism, uh, that's a goal of socialism as well. Um, but there's a difference between that and understanding where we stand as socialists and mm -hmm. being able to articulate that. Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here today in this episode. Hell yeah. Completely. <sighs> Anyhow, there are a lot <laughs> of ways in which the media gets socialism wrong, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming to debunk or tackle these things, but take a deep breath and know that you are smart as fuck, and you can debunk this shit. Take it piece by piece, and don't let the Keynesians mess with your head. They are peak libs. <laughs> hashtag peak libs we should start like tweeting out a lot of good examples of hashtag peak libs everybody tweet out hashtag peak libs if you find some great examples of peak libbiness yeah and tag us at season of the bee is our twitter handle hell fucking yeah so as always you know speaking of which you can holler at us on instagram twitter and facebook at season of the bee um we are on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, obviously if you're listening to this you know that already, but rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and send us some money on Patreon, because that's lovely. <laughs> I feel like I have to go the distance now, and if you've been with us this long until this point, I need to give you a short monologue from Ace Ventura. <laughs> yes! I think you have to. Okay, um, so this is from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the original. Uh, he is in a dolphin tank where um, this dolphin from the Miami Dolphins, the football team, was kidnapped. Um, oh, my God. And he is he kind of, like, puts his head into this window, and he just goes, Captain's log, start at 28.9, run off to the nearest decimal point. We've traveled back in time to save an ancient species from total annihilation. So far, no signs of aquatic life have been found, but I'm going to find it. If I have to tear this universe another black hole, I'm going to find it. I've got to, Mr. So I have, I've had six concussions and that's still in my head, which I think is... You weren't reading that right now? No, was not reading it. Oh my oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so fast. You didn't even pause to think about anything. It's true. Shout out to my family. Love you all. And I love you all. <laughs> oh, I love you too. I've actually never seen those movies. I don't know if I even recommend it. I just loved them as a kid. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing, Laura. That was hilarious. Okay, I'm so glad. <laughs> love you all so much. Oh, love you love so you. much. This was a joy and Bye. a pleasure. Love you.